And uh, as we are doing this, we're, we're trying to start on the very edge. And we talked about Bibles and Bible understanding and faith. And certainly there's a, a true salvation. Jesus spoke of it in the Sermon on the Mount of, of false professors of faith. And uh, it is the duty of the individual to uh, study God's Word, to check out yourself. And, and uh, yet, as we grow in Christ, we go through and we look and, and through the book of Acts, as we're going to touch on, and the letters especially to the Corinthians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, and then in the, the pastoral epistles, there was warning after warning after warning about false teachers. And so we have, even in the church today, and in churches today, we, we have both true and false teaching going on. And so we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4. We always want to start from the truth, the God-ordained teachers what they should look like, and that makes it a whole lot easier to spot the imitation ones. And, of course, uh, very rarely in your life will you be handed anything that is imitation and be told that it's an imitation. Uh, it's always, uh, in, in, even in our modern day time, in, uh, this is genuine Imitation Zircon, if you remember that from the old days, uh, the first real imitation diamond. And uh, uh, they, they won't put it in there just right, uh, right on the surface. Usually, uh, if they're advertising it, they'll, they'll use the word faux, F-A-U-X. It's a faux fur. Uh, that means fake, all right? Uh, and, and, uh, they couldn't, if they put the term fake on there, how many of you would buy it? You'd say, come on. Uh, uh, but they put faux and then they spell it French so that it doesn't make sense to us. And, oh wow, look at this. I know it's not real, but it's gotta be better than fake. No, it's, it, it's fake. Trust me. All the way. Completely. 100%. And, uh, we, we need to be careful because there's so much in false teaching out there. Someone, uh, I think it was Brother Clayton and I were talking about, he said, you know, there, there is more good teaching available today than at any other time in Christianity. Uh, some of you will, will know, um, uh, we, we've had several preaching collections that you can borrow uh, in CD and DVD and uh, hundreds and hundreds of sermons on our website. And that's just our church website. Uh, you can go to other websites. And, and uh, I think somebody uh, gave me a, or, or sold a CD with, what was that thing, Andrew? We got 10,000 sermons on it or something. And, and most of it was just little one-page skeleton outlines, I think. But... Uh, there were certainly a lot of files on there of great preaching. Uh, uh, and, and yet, I want to challenge you, as much good preaching as we have available today, there's twice as much false preaching. You go into a Christian bookstore, quote-unquote Christian bookstore, secular bookstore, you're going to have a hard time finding an old King James Bible. And though the self-help shelf will be just stocked full of books, you're going to have a very difficult time finding anything from a simple, honest, biblical perspective. Most of it is sprinkled with psychology and, and, and other things, self-help. And, and Listen, you couldn't self-help yourself into salvation. You're not going to self-help yourself into service. In fact, you're not going to self-help yourself anywhere but further away from Jesus and the gospel. Uh, that's why I discourage you with uh, uh, TBN and Christian broadcasting and Christian radio because 
99% of what is out there is just simply not what it ought to be. Uh, I've often thought about how much money these people need to keep these Christian broadcasts on the air. Uh, I'll guarantee you, if you have a nationwide Christian broadcast, your income, just to keep those tapes playing on the radio station, is three, four, maybe five times what our entire church budget is. And you're not sending $100,000 a year to missions out of that. That's just to keep the tapes playing in the Christian radio station. Listen, that's not how God designed the gospel to go out. He designed it His way. Let's let's just read His way instead of talking about other ways that aren't. All right, sorry, forgive me for that. Ephesians chapter 4, and and we're going to start in verse 11. And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, it would not take much on my part just to spend our entire time tonight going over just this passage, and that's uh, not our goal. And so we're just going to touch on a few things here. The, the, in verse 11, it says, And he gave some. Now, that idea there, that word simply means, He gave some men. God gave men to the church to serve in the positions of leadership. There were no lady apostles. There were only men apostles. And those apostles were the ones that gave us the Scripture. As we've said, the apostles, one of the requirements for an apostle was somebody that was personally trained by Jesus Christ. That's why there are no apostles today. We do not use that term when we refer to preachers because we have no living preachers that were personally trained by Jesus Christ. Uh, We have their words recorded in the Scriptures. Their deeds are recorded in the words of the Bible. And, And there are only so many of them. And we're to follow them. All of our teachings, all of our doctrines come from the teachings and the lives of the apostles. There's there's a word that's tossed around a lot today, uh, the word tradition. And normally when we use that word, we we are talking about man-developed doctrines that were handed down as traditions. Uh, But there are scriptural traditions. That, that's not necessarily a bad word. As long as you can back it up with Bible, you're okay. We had some apostles, none today. Then we had some prophets. There were some men, uh, read the book of Acts, you have a guy named Agabus there, uh, that God spoke to and gave direct revelation to. That is the primary idea of a prophet. Uh, If we want to stretch that a little bit, and and I'm very careful about that, uh, the, the job of the prophet was to foretell, giving God's direct revelation, and also to foretell. He was a preacher of God's message. And 
the biblical prophet in, in the fullest sense of the word was not preaching from a written word. He was preaching from a revealed word. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha. The word of the Lord came to them and they took that word of the Lord. You remember Ahab pointing at, at old Elijah and said, you're the one that's troubling Israel because it hasn't rained for three and a half years. Don't tell me there weren't Baptists in the Old Testament. Elijah looked right back and said, you're the one with all of your wickedness. And old Ahab's just sitting there going, uh, I just can't stand this guy. You know, the, uh, that was the way it was. Someone uh, has said sometimes some of our great preachers that don't pastor a church might, might fill this office just a little bit, but they're not giving us anything new because they're under the authority of the apostles. Then we have evangelists. Now we have a lot of people running around. Brother uh, Clayton calls himself an evangelist, and truly he is because he spent the last 50-some years, almost 60 years in ministry helping churches get started. Uh, the modern equivalent of the evangelist is a missionary. They're taking the gospel where it is not. That's an evangelist. You're taking the message of the gospel. And then we get to the last one. And it says, and some pastors and teachers. Now, you'll notice it doesn't say, and some pastors and some teachers. Uh, it says, and some pastors and teachers. You know why? Because you can't be a pastor and not be a teacher. And if you're teaching the Bible and you're so dead and unexcited about it that you can stand up there and, now, brethren, we're gathered here to learn this boring stuff. You're not a pastor, let me tell you. Because this word demands a little passion. You see, the pastor's job is to be a teacher. If your preaching ain't teaching, then your preaching ain't real preaching. It's not biblical preaching. And so, here are the biblical preachers, the biblical teachings, the place where the, uh, everything that we know comes from this group of people that God has given, not to history, these men were not given to the world at large. They were given to the local church. The apostles were all pastors of that first church in Jerusalem. Say, why did they need 12 pastors? Well, it was pretty simple. They had a church of at least 12,000 people. I would say a pastoral staff of 12 would be a little short, wouldn't you? Even with the seven deacons that they chose in that, that would still be extremely streamlined uh, in, in our modern understanding of how things go. Um, but we have, past, we have the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are given to the church to function in the church. Uh, I never will forget, uh, we were actually working in a church many, many years ago, my wife and I, and someone in the church came up to us and said, yes, I've taken a spiritual gift assessment test. And I'm going, no, N you're not really telling me this. Oh, yes, and I found out my gift is teaching. And, and since the pastor doesn't need any teachers, I'll just have to sit on my blessed assurance. They didn't say that, but uh, basically that was the idea. I can't serve in the church because my gift is teaching and they don't need any teachers. Can I tell you God's spiritual gift assessment test? It's showing up for church. Thursday night when it's snowy and you have to spend 45 minutes looking for a parking spot. Seriously. Being here. Being faithful. Guess what? You'll get asked to do things. To help the church go forward. Brother Franz has given this testimony pastor asked me to lead singing. I thought it was one time. I did it for 15 or how many ever years it was. Yeah. When you get asked for something, you better be prepared to just keep doing it. Amen. 
Listen. That's how it works. And that's where the teachers are. It's amazing how many, quote unquote, radio pastors and television pastors and uh, uh, other imaginary folk uh, are out there trying to imitate what goes on in the church. You see, the perfecting of the saints happens in the church, not in Christian radio. You know what? Out there in the world of internet Christianity, it's almost as bad as the game world. Here you are, super loser. You can't even hold a broom straight. But you have thumb-to-eye coordination. And now you're Johnny Rocket saving the entire universe from the evil whatever they are uh, that appear on the screen and you... Uh, you know, your initials are up there on the internet. You've beat everybody and all of this crazy stuff. And people get their sense of self-satisfaction out of something that doesn't even exist. Happens in the Christian world. I had a young man sitting in my office ten years ago. And uh, he said, you know, he said, I... I think it's time for me to stop counseling other young men on how to seduce women. And I said, that'd be a pretty good idea. He said, and so now I'm going to start teaching people how to know God. I said, oh, really? The two have an awful lot in common. He showed up a couple years ago, or just this past year. And he says, do you remember me? I said, yeah, you were the hotshot young guy that's never had a girlfriend teaching other people how to seduce women. He said, no, that's not quite true. <laughs> oh, you remember me? He said, wow, you got a great memory. I said, I do for really weird people like you. No, um, I'm sorry, the sarcasm just... Uh... But it wasn't long that he was... Stand, uh, sitting there across my desk trying to teach me about the love of God and things of the Bible. And, and I just said, well, wait a minute. I said, honestly. I said, you're still living at home with your mom, aren't you? Well, well, well yeah, but what's that have to do with anything? I said, you're 30 years old. I said, you have no life. You've never accomplished anything that wasn't imaginary online. I said, it's time for you to start living the Bible instead of talking about it. And then I was told I had a very mean and vindictive spirit. And uh, I'll tell you what I do when it comes to people like that. You know why? Because it's not Bible. It's all imagination. You're not going to get anybody's book on anything that's going to help you more than what the Bible will help you with. James Dobson's book will not help you raise your children. I've read most of them. Praise God, I did read most of them long before my children came along. Amen? And when my children came along, I realized I needed something more than that. You got to have this. And guess what else you got to have? You got to have a church. God meant for you to raise your family in the church, perfecting the saints. Now, is that a safeguard that your kids are going to turn out right just because you bring them to church? I wish it were, but it's not. Because if they're not getting at home exactly the same things they're getting at church, they're eventually going to go out and search for things in the world. And many of them never ever come back. And it's a, it's a tragedy. It's a, it's a very sad thing. You see, the perfecting of the saints happens here. But there's a lot of work that goes in as you go home and live what's here. That's the protection 
for the children God gives you. The work of the ministry. There are so many things that you can give to. But could I challenge you? The biblical way is giving through your church to the missionaries your church supports. That's the biblical way. That's the best way to give. I I know they're doing other things out there and not everything they're doing is bad. I'm, I'm thankful for every little child that gets fed and doesn't have to go hungry. I really am. But I'd much rather that child hear the gospel and have hope of eternity than to be taken the best care of and be ushered into the gates of eternity without Christ with a full belly. I'll, I'll tell you, that, that I can't comprehend. And yet, it goes on all the time. You see, the edifying or the building of the body of Christ, if, if you believe, as the Bible teaches, that the church is God's plan for this age, then everything we do ought to be about the church. Because that's how God's work gets done. That's why it's called the body of Christ, by the way. To help bring apart, across that point, that Christ's work is done through His church and that He has given these teachers here and it brings itself to the point where the body edifies itself. This is what we call a self-supporting church. How many years did we pray for Brother Hiram Davis and the Cornerstone Bible Baptist Church to become a self-supporting church? Uh, Seven, eight years. But you know what? I was so happy when he called and said, we don't, Brother Montoro, it's not that we don't need it, but we don't want it. We, we want to take care of ourselves. You know what? That's where a church is supposed to go. I know we have mission churches, but that the goal is to have a self-supporting church, a church that helps others. And that's one of the things I'm so excited about uh, our church is because we came and we needed help. Oh, did we need help. We needed tons of help. We needed hundreds of thousands of dollars in help. And, and now we're giving that back. You see, that's God's plan. That's how you're going to get taught. That's how you're going to learn. That's where true biblical teaching comes from. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and this is a verse that we quote often. We'll read verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So, we, we have not only these four groups of people, this is the primary teaching of the church, there's also to be a secondary teaching of faithful men instructing other faithful men. They're, they're just, there's only so far a pastor can go. That's where we need other men in the church to come along and encourage other men. That's the teaching that goes on here. If we'll go back to, I mean, on to the book of Titus, just a page or two in your Bible, if you would. Titus chapter 2. And we'll start in verse 3. It says, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word 
of God be not blasphemed. Now, there's an awful lot in teaching in this passage, but I want you to see there are some restraints on this teaching of the aged women. How many of you see the restraint that's there? How many of you see the subject that the aged women are to teach the younger? It's all about home. Everything they're supposed to teach is about family. It says here, first, the aged women, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Now, when I was uh, just a young man coming out of Bible college into the ministry, uh, there was a new craze in Christianity. It was called lifestyle evangelism. Uh, my wife will remember this fondly because there was so many, so much talk about it. And uh, in my ordination, it, that was definitely brought up in one of the points that was uh, dealt with. And some preacher came along and said, I, I, "I am." I think it was some television or radio preacher, radio in those days, I'm sure, came along and said, "Listen, I, I'm not going to go out and knock people's doors down and yell at them about the gospel." Uh, by the way, whoever said you were supposed to do that? Uh, you knock somebody's door down, I hope they arrest you, all right? Uh, the damage of private property, that's not what you're supposed to do. Uh, if you go around yelling and screaming about at people about the gospel, please tell them you're from another church. I'll give you some names, all right? But not this one. Uh, we, we don't do that around here. But they were, again, building the straw man, using exaggeration, and say, I'll just let my lifestyle speak for me. Well, excuse me, last time I checked, you're supposed to do that anyway. Uh, that is understood. The fact that that would be a revelation to you, to, to you and a new teaching to, for you tells me that you're not even living a godly life, let alone following the biblical example of biblical teaching. But when women teach women first, they have to understand what it is to lead their home. And when older or aged women in the church teach younger women, it's about how to live in the home. Now, please don't raise your hand, but we have lots of people that get married today and they don't know how to boil water. Don't know how to cook. Well, being a keeper at home, what are you going to do when you're a keeper at home? Well, we go through the Rolodex and order out. No. Everyone will tell you, anyone who knows anything about family, if you're interested in your family, there's one thing you need to do. Eat together. That used to be the center. Uh, I, I like the way our apartment is set up. We don't have a special living room. We've got a big room in the middle there. And what is in the middle of that room? The table. Uh, if you're going to sit down in our house, you're not going to sit down on the couch because there isn't one. There really isn't room to put one. But you sit down at the table. Everything's done at the table. Homeschooling's done at the table. We eat at the table. And then we eat again at the table. And then maybe they do a little something else. And then we eat again. You get the idea. You know what? You have to be encouraged to do that, young ladies. Because it's not natural. It's not normal. It wasn't normal in Paul's day, by the way, any more than it is in our day. And the teaching that needs to go on, these, these are the limits of biblical teaching. You have those that are meant to teach in the church, and then there is a reinforcement of that teaching in the home by faithful men teaching other faithful men, by the aged ladies teaching the young ladies you, you know, there, there is an art. It says here that they may teach the young women to be sober. 
Not to depend on Google for everything. Amen? Uh, The second is to love their husbands. Do you know that you can be taught how to love your husband? That's what the Bible says. You want me to tell you why you need to learn that, younger ladies? Because your husband is a human being, and that means he's hard to love. It takes a lot of work. And that kind of teaching is what is missing from our society today. We have lots of lady teachers out there who are great teachers. I am so glad that I can point to the Bible and say, there aren't supposed to be any lady preachers, because if there were, I might be out of a job. I mean, there's a lot of great lady preachers out there. There really are. It's just not Bible. They're not part of that sum. And because they're not part of that sum, they're going to be having television ministries and radio ministries and writing books. If you want to understand something, the people who write books aren't the people who are doing things. You say, but yes, but that preacher writes so many books. Uh, Excuse me, I'll I'll tell you how they do it. It's called ghostwriters. If there's a pastor really pastoring a church and writing lots of books, like we have several out there that I could name names and some of you would have some of the books, and that's not a bad thing, but those are ghostwriters doing the main job. Either that... Or Oliver B. Green was a great evangelist of uh, generations gone by. And I have a complete set of all of his books. And what they are is transcribed sermons. Someone just took the sermon tapes on the old reel-to-reel and played them slow and, and wrote his books from his sermons. In fact, the last book was finished after he was dead. His wife finished the book from his sermon tapes. And, and I see nothing wrong with that. But what I'm challenging you is... The people that are writing books aren't the people that are doing it because the people that are doing it don't have time to sit down and write about it. That's always been God's plan. I've always wondered about people, and I've watched over the years, well, you know, I need to take some time and just sit down and and really understand the why of what I'm doing. Well, I can give it to you in one word. Bible. If that's not your why, you're in trouble. And I've watched preacher after preacher, preachers that I greatly esteemed and have helped me, uh, helped our church financially, have gotten into that thought process and have derailed themselves and now they're rock and roll for Jesus. How do you do that? I'll tell you how you do that. You go beyond the parameters of God's teaching and God's teachers. Don't have teachers that God didn't ordain. Don't listen to teaching. You want to learn how to pray? Be here Sunday night for prayer meeting. We, we don't sponsor, as a church, prayer meetings in people's houses. It Someone said, are you against prayer? No, I'm not against prayer. But if there's going to be any teaching about prayer, it's going to happen here in the church, not in your home. Because that's not how God ordained it to be. Oh, but we're just concerned about things that are going on. Well, you can pray, and you can pray in private. But don't try to teach other people how to pray because that's not God's plan. That's supposed to happen in the church. Those are the biblical parameters. You see, let's go to Acts chapter 20. And we'll try to move quickly. Either that or we'll just stretch this out over two Thursday nights. I don't know. Acts chapter 20. Uh, I think we can get done here. Um, Because we don't need to spend so much time on the negative. But here's Paul, his last visit to the pastors of the Ephesian church. 
they come down to meet him at Miletus as he's traveling back to Jerusalem before he'll be arrested and start uh, a period of imprisonment that lasts for uh, several years. But I want you to go down to verse 28 with me, if you would, of Acts chapter 20. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to, uh, and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you, every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Now, we are arguably talking about some of the deepest things in God's Word here. The teaching and the teachers that build, help you build your faith relationship with Jesus Christ. This is... This is not for the faint of heart. This is not the milk of the word, my friend. This is, uh, this is strong meat. This is things that need to be understood. This is a warning that false teachers were going to come from the outside and they were going to come from the inside. Wow, that sounds pretty sick, doesn't it? Uh, what about the sword of the Spirit? And all? Well, here's what Paul said. He said to the pastors, he said, you've got to be vigilant. That's part of your job as a preacher is to watch. Those some are supposed to be very careful. We had an episode here just a couple of weeks ago, some nutcase coming in wanting to teach in the church. All kinds of crazy things. Baptism was only for Jewish people. The church was only for Jewish people. I'm sitting there going, you know, not even Harold Camping was that nuts. Uh, how do you get there? I, I don't comprehend that. And yet, he was more than willing to teach in the church. And you know what? If I'd let him speak, he'd have probably sounded better than I do most of the time. Because the devil's servants work that way, my friend. The Bible tells us they're like angels of light. There's only one way you can tell the difference. You see, when we talk about applying the Word of God, we're talking about teaching within the parameters, within biblical guidelines. If that person has gained all of his teaching knowledge without a relationship with a local church, I promise you it's not Bible. No matter how close it is, no matter how good it sounds, it's outside biblical parameters. Therefore, it's false preaching and teaching. And we need to shun it. We need to stay away from it. One of the main characteristics, and we'll try to get into this in the next few moments very quickly, of a false teacher is they always draw people to themselves. There was a pastor's college, uh, uh, and uh, praise God things have changed for the better at this college, and I won't give the name because it's a negative thing, but they, as they taught their preacher boys, this was 20 years ago, they said, now, pastor, when you tell a story, you make yourself the hero of all your stories so your people will learn to look up to you. Wow. Is that emotional manipulation or what? If anybody looks up to me as a pastor, I would hope it'd be for only one reason. Because of what I do with this book. You see, that's the biblical parameter. 
Because if being a pastor was dependent upon personality and all of these, getting along with people and just being a wonderful, friendly person, I'm not your man. But God called me to be a preacher anyway. And you're evidence of the ministry. Because what we've done is stayed within the biblical parameters. That's what it's about. The teaching that goes on is supposed to go on inside biblical parameters. We don't sponsor little group meetings all over the place. Why? Because when we get together for church, it's not that big of a group anyway. Amen? We don't need little group ministries. We need the little group that we have to get together as often as we can. Amen? And so we have the family fun nights and we have the different things. Uh, If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it tells us that there must be heresies among you. The, The Bible says that God's going to let those things come. Verse 19 says... For there, um, uh, verse 18, why don't we read that? It says, For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. And then he goes on to teach about the Lord's Supper. You see, the false teachers are always looking for one thing, attention. They, they want to be recognized. And the Bible says that there's going to be. You're going, if you're a member here very long, you're going to hear some things that aren't right. You know why? Because God's testing you to make sure that you're going to have enough personal whatever you want to call it, strength, spiritual strength, to read the Bible and discern what is true and what isn't. And we've got to be very careful with that. And we isolate what is not true. And in that isolation, guess what? Untruth leaves. Because the thing that makes untruth live is attention. This is what I tell everybody. I said, well, I'm fighting the devil. Uh, somebody put a... I said, the first thing you got to start doing is stop paying attention to the devil. That's his number one characteristic. He wants you to pay attention to him. That's why so many people that study these things fall into terrible things. Don't study the devil. If you want the devil to leave you alone, get close to Jesus. Amen? That's how you get the job done. In Revelation 2, verses 6 and 15, two different churches. The church at Ephesus fought the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Uh, The next church brought them in. Uh, The best I can tell, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, uh, though many different things are offered, was basically this beginning of a division of levels of Christianity. That there is the regular Christian here, the good Christian here, and then pastors and deacons way up here. Uh, that is not scriptural. God is no respecter of persons. Your job is to be just as spiritual as your pastor is. Your job is to know your Bible as well as your pastor does. Your job is to be a spiritual Part of the body of Christ. Amen? That was the Nicolaitans. Then we had Balaam and Jezebel. And they were concerned with bringing worldliness and false worship into the church. And and when is the last time you didn't hear someone talking about, well, I, I just pray to all the gods, Allah and the God of Abraham. And I, I want to challenge you, the God of Abraham is the God of the New Testament. But whom the Jewish people on a whole, the Orthodox and Hasidic and other 
uh, sects of the Jewish religion worship today is no longer the God of the Bible. They still hold a Bible, just like the Catholics. Orthodox. They don't worship the God of the Bible. They worship a God that they have remade in their own image. And those are harsh words. But it's the truth. And we have to understand that we get nothing by cooperating with false doctrine except for confusing the message that God has given our church. Now we got just a couple passages here. Look with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And maybe we ought to just finish right here. We're out of time here. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, wait a minute. What's my... No, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. Yes. Okay. And, and we come here and... Uh, why don't we just go back to 13, verse 13. That is uh, where the 13 came from. It's supposed to be 2 Corinthians 11:13 through 20. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be... According to their works. I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise yet a, as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confident boasting, seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit wherein any is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. And Paul goes on. See, what Paul is saying here is, there's, there's a... There's an there's a agenda in the life of a false teacher. That agenda is to draw attention to themselves and draw attention away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we have this home church movement out there that people say, I, I don't need the local assembly of the church. We can have our own church in our own home. Um... That's not within the biblical parameters, my friend. That's not some. That's elevating yourself to a position that God never intended. You see, Paul says, I'm going to speak foolishly here for a minute. He says, I'm going to glory after the flesh. And you know, that is the thing that every false teacher looks for. It's all about works. It's all about what I do. It's all about somebody looking at me saying, wow, you did a great job. That's the number one characteristic that Paul is talking about here in false teaching. You see, when, when I preach and teach here, I give you references and say, go home and check it out. Because what I'm teaching is what's printed here. It's not personality. It's not, hey, look what I did by faith. I mean, you want to boast about faith? Okay, I'll boast about faith. That's what Paul's saying. But that's not the way it ought to be. That's the way the devil works. That's why I get a little nervous about some of these books that people print on, quote-unquote, great Christians and 
there was one that was written, Praying Hyde, and how that he just went everywhere and prayed, and everything happened that Hyde prayed for. Most of you have never heard of that book, because I didn't put it in the bookstore, and we don't teach it in our Sunday school and all of this, because that story glorifies Mr. Hyde. No relation to Dr. Jekyll, by the way. Uh, It was really his name. He was a wonderful man and accomplished a lot. But it's not about great prayers or great phenomena. It's about being obedient to what the Bible says in the parameters of the local church because that's how God designed teachers and teaching to be. It doesn't, if it happens outside those parameters, it's beyond the biblical record. It's beyond the biblical mandate. That's a nice way of saying it's just plain wrong. Can you learn things off of other people outside coming to church? Absolutely. But where is the main part of your teaching and your biblical understanding supposed to happen? Right here. In church. In our small group. Amen? Maybe it ought to be bigger. And and it will be as the Lord blesses us. But we'll, we'll take some time, Lord willing, next Thursday and... And try to finish this. But there's an awful lot that goes for truth. That if you'll take the cold, hard picture of the Bible, of the truth of the Bible. Oh, it's so close. Oh, just it, it really encourages me. I don't want to give up that encouragement. Well, wait a minute. It's off the rail, my friend. Don't get encouragement off the rails. That's where train wrecks happen. Stay in that narrow way. Don't look for teachers outside. The world is full of voices. You've heard me say that so many times. I hope you understand that I'm telling you the truth. And... As we go through this, you'll find every one of them's clamoring for you to pay attention to them because that gives them validity. And that's what they're after. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, I thank you for the patience.